Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Good to be with you again, folks. I'm so sorry that we had the technology issues that we did on Friday, but without further ado, I'm excited to share with you the interview I recorded late last week with Howard Lacks on the very important topic of marketing service agreements. I really appreciate the way Howard approaches this topic and uh, gets into it. I hope you enjoyed the following broadcast. Good to be with you. It's time now. Let me introduce you to Howard Lacks. Folks, I'm so excited to have with me on the broadcast, Howard Lacks. He's a member of the Bodman Law Firm. It's located in Troy, Michigan. It's good to have you here with us, Howard, and uh, say thank you so much for taking a little time out of your day to uh, join us here on the radio. Thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about the firm and the type of uh, law that you practice there so that our listeners who are not familiar with you can become a little more familiar. Okay, our firm is, uh, we have over 100 attorneys, somewhere around 130 or 150 attorneys. It is a Michigan-based firm that is heavily invested in representing uh, banks and other financial institutions. And we do a variety of services for banks, not just the consumer finance side that I work on, but a lot of commercial lending and other areas that uh, banks require services for. Of course, our big client is Comerica. Oh, but yeah. We represent a number of institutions throughout the Midwest and other areas of the country. And we also have a financial institution compliance cooperative for community banks in Michigan, where they pay a monthly fee and then we provide them with policies, procedures, and updates and other information. I have listened to you speak when I have attended the Michigan Mortgage Lender Association meetings. And really, what I appreciate is your frankness and your candor and straightforwardness. You say it the way it needs to be said. And that's why I wanted to have you on the broadcast today. Give us an overview of how MSAs came about and then fundamentally what's flawed about them. And then, then I want to get into is there any way that anybody can do an MSA? They originated basically because the title industry and to a certain extent, the lending industry are business-to-business referral industries. Very few people shop, almost nobody. And title insurance orders are basically business-to-business orders. Nobody walks into a title agency and orders a title policy. Consequently, we first had these partnerships, uh, if you would, involving preferred provider agreements. Uh, The HUD frowned on those to a certain extent. They morphed into marketing services agreements under the principle that there's an exception in 8C, goods and services exception, where the lender could buy services from a referral source at market rates. And HUD had issued some informal policies on this, and then in the homeowner's warranty guidance that was issued, they reaffirmed that there could be agreements between a uh, lender or a title agency and a referral source for goods and services, but they pretty much left it there. In that policy statement, HUD tried to differentiate between one-on-one soliciting, which was a referral, and advertising, which was something else that might not be a referral. They didn't set any sort of bright lines or even gray lines at all. HUD's responsibility for RESPA transferred over to the CFPB. 
Right. And the enforcement division of the CFPB had different ideas about how to interpret the statute. They have pretty much ignored or opposed the things that HUD has said in the past and done in the past and have gone off in their own direction. Part of this might be because they have spent so much time working on new disclosure formats that are intended to encourage the consumer to shop. And so consequently, the marketing services agreements and other arrangements between a referral source and a settlement service provider tend to interfere with the consumer's ability to shop. So in an amicus brief a year or so ago, the CFPB first stated that this new theory that if an agreement leads to an increase in referrals, that the agreement itself is illegal, regardless of whether or not the fees paid under the agreement are commensurate with the services that are provided. They took the position that the agreement itself could both be the thing of value and an agreement or understanding for the referral of business. And the way they determined this is by doing regression analysis to show that uh, before there was an agreement, you had a low level of referrals. During the agreement, when it was in place, referrals jumped dramatically. And then when the agreement ended, the referrals dropped down to the pre-agreement level. This theory carried over into the Lighthouse Title uh, Settlement Agreement and again in the PHH decision by Director Cordray. Now, you recently had two lenders uh, who have declared that they're going to end their marketing services agreements over the coming months and sort of a gratuitous statement after that by the CFPB saying this was a good thing and that ending them would lead to greater opportunities for consumers, which leads me to believe that the CFPB's emphasis here is to end the business-to-business referrals that exist through the termination of the incentives that uh, encourage these types of partnerships. Now, I was going to say the primary focus of the agreements have, or the tension seems to have been through the mortgage bankers and mortgage lenders out there that are in a marketing service agreement, MSA arrangement with a realtor. And do you see that the focus is equally on the title insurance companies and all services and the anything that's a referral that has an impact to the cost of a consumer? Is it across the board or are they uniquely focusing on just the realtor lender MSAs? I don't think that they're mar- they're they're limited to just MSAs. Uh, they're, the Lighthouse case was a title agency with uh, real estate brokers, MSAs. We've heard uh, anecdotal stories that there are investigations of rental agreements between Mm. lenders or title agencies and realtors or real estate brokers. Any sort of an agreement which is entered into with the ulterior purpose, the, the hidden purpose to increase referrals in the eyes of the CFPB is going to be an illegal agreement. Now, this doesn't mean you can't have marketing services agreements but I think that in order for the CFPB to leave them alone, it would be, first of all, some sort of a referral-neutral selection of the partner that you're going to have the agreement with. In other words, you're not looking for additional referrals. You're looking, in the case of a marketing services agreement, to market to consumers. And you need that marketing ability to fill a niche that you couldn't fill otherwise. Those are the two things that I think the CFPB might find the agreement acceptable. 
Let's dive into those because the, it seems like wholesale, everyone's just saying it's just too difficult to sort it out. And what I'm hearing you say, there are two ways in which it can be done. It sounds like those two avenues, which would make it allowable, almost negates the, the reason of having an MSA in place. That's right. The overriding reason why parties enter into an MSA is to increase referrals. The CFPB doesn't want that to happen. Uh, consequently, I would say that the vast majority of MSAs that are out there, the CFPB would find objectionable because they are entered into just to get what are known as marketing dollars into right. the hands of a referral source so that they will be encouraged to increase referrals to the MSA partner. Those types of arrangements the CFPB is trying to end. Now, whether or not that'll cause anybody to go shop for services, I have my doubts. Since the Lighthouse title decision, I don't know that very many people have actually terminated MSAs that are out there. And I don't know of any consumers who have decided they need to go out and shop. Are there any marketing agreements that you can see that will work? Or are the only two provisions that allow for it basically negate them anyway, Howard? Well, the... the, the the two provisions, one, referral neutral basis, and second of all, definitely trying to meet a marketing niche that you can't meet otherwise. Leaving out, if you leave out entirely the whole concept of increasing referrals, there's very little incentive for anybody to enter into a marketing services agreement. It would have to be a, a strange exception for somebody to want to enter into one regardless of whether or not they got any additional referrals. These things were set up entirely for referrals to yeah. be encouraged, and I just don't see that there is a practical place for them in the marketplace. Is there any structure that you've seen out there that would work? Well, there are, but not under the current paradigm. I mean, the whole purpose that people have entered into these agreements is to increase yeah. referrals. Yeah. Um, if they would stick to the top-level purpose, which is to increase marketing to consumers and not increase referrals. So is there language you could put into a marketing service agreement that would allow you to have one in place? Or are they now so toxic that just the fact that you have a marketing service agreement in place, that that would cause the, the CFPB to look at you a little with, with greater scrutiny. I, I don't think anyone wants to draw any more scrutiny from the CFPB. So I'm wondering if just if there's a way to do it, and if so, why would you want to? Well, that's the, the million-dollar question. Why would you want to? If you're, if you're not going to enter into an MSA in order to increase referrals, can you effectively market to consumers without getting additional referrals and spend your money in a productive manner? And because consumers don't shop, because pe consumers don't understand, uh, especially title insurance, right. there's the, you're not going to be effective in advertising your services until the consumer is adequately educated on the topic. And I don't see anything that has been successful yet in doing that. You could say realtors are steering their customers, consumers, into certain lenders or title insurance companies. Is there any precedence out there that's going to focus on the realtor community for doing any steering? Or should, are they going to be forced in saying, you know what, we, are now, we can't refer you to anybody. You need to go do your homework. 
so far, the CFPB does not seem interested in going after the counterparties in some of these arrangements. We That's haven't curious. seen anything in the Lighthouse title case. We haven't really seen anything in, in a lot of the other cases. In some cases, there has been a counterparty mentioned, but they're defunct. They're no longer in existence. Okay. And I don't know why. Uh, you know, under RESPA, it takes two to tango. Both parties are equally responsible and equally liable. But we have only seen, you know, actions taken against one party. What are some of the other things that you feel that lenders need to know out there that you're advising your clients on? Well, I think some of the big issues today involve the implementation of the TLRESPA integrated disclosures, or as they commonly be referred to as TRID. There are a lot of people out there who still have their heads in the sand, are just starting to get into uh, looking at all the various issues that need to be looked at, starting to look at various policies and procedures, simple things, moving your disclosures back by about a week because, you know, the consumer's got to receive the disclosures at least three days before closing, three business days, which means you have to mail them out about a week before closing. So moving all of your processing back a week leads to other issues. It's not only workflow, it's uh, longer uh, lock-in periods. It's more people, perhaps. There's a ton more information that needs to go in these disclosures than went into the GFE. Uh, for example, things like homeowner association dues, license numbers for real estate professionals. Um, all this information has to come from somewhere, and nobody's had to deal with it in the past. There are all sorts of issues in various areas of the country. For example, there are going to be prorations of the oil left in a, or heating oil left in a tank when a house is sold. So how do you estimate what that proration is or the cost is? Um, there are just a ton of little issues like this that everyone has to deal with. And we don't know how it's going to get done. They're all business issues. These are the things that people are struggling with. Construction lenders are struggling with, well, how do we disclose? There aren't a lot of instructions in the rule or in the guides about construction lending. So there's just a lot of concern among people. And either if they're not concerned, then they're sort of ignoring the concerns and trying just to do business as usual and hoping that come October, things will magically fall into place. If you remember the implementation of the new GFE and the mass confusion that occurred uh, around the implementation date, I expect that there'll be more confusion with this disclosure than there was for the GFE. Uh, no matter how much you prepare, you can never be 100% prepared for this drastic of a change. But you're helping and, people uh, sort through the issues, is that correct? That's right. But there's a great reluctance among a number of companies, a lot of companies, especially smaller ones, to pay anything to do this. They've gone to a few seminars, they're reading a few things, and they're hoping that that takes them through. They don't want to have to pay legal fees. It's a big expense. They don't even want to pay fees for compliance uh, consultants. So there hasn't been as much work done with lenders as anyone would have imagined there should be. If people want to get a hold of you to call you, Howard, to set up a relationship where you can come in to work with them, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, my telephone number is 248-743-6011, and my email is hlax at bodmanlaw.com. Um, those are the best ways to reach me. There's so many things I've got as takeaways out of this interview today. 
But one of the things is, is it's just that ounce of prevention up front, retaining you to come in to help them at least help examine and look over the issues, provide some basic guidance to it would be just so, so valuable. Howard, thank you so much. I really enjoy the interview and getting to know you, and I do want to have you back again. And I want to say thank you, Howard, for taking a few minutes to be here with us today. Well, thank you very much. Take care, everyone. I wish you the best with your implementation of the new rules and then the rules coming after that and the rules coming after that and so on and so forth. You know, one thing I enjoyed about Howard is sense of humor. You caught a little bit of that at the end. Uh, yes, it's, the, the, the rules are coming out us, folks, wave after wave, and it's not going to be ending anytime soon. Uh, maybe we, after this election, we'll see who ends up in the White House, if there's some changes on that. But the dealing with MSAs on that hot topic, there are some that are committed to this program and committed to MSAs and have they feel very comfortable in the way they're going about it. If you want to get a hold of Howard, I think you go back and listen to that con- his contact information. I encourage you to get a hold of him. I-, I was really impressed with why he tries to lay out a case for why it is going to be difficult. He did not say it is absolutely impossible, but he lays out difficult. He lays out clearly where the obstacles are, and then you can start from there and and work through this. I appreciate you coming back and listening to this interview. Again, my apologies for not. Having this working, it was due to at the, at Monday's broadcast is what I'm trying to say. My apologies for not having this be able to play a Monday's broadcast as intended. Ran into some technology issues related to what's going on at Blog Talk uh, Radio, who hosts this program. Grateful for that relationship, uh, but there were some issues. But anyway, hope this was helpful. I encourage, I'd love to hear from you uh, about this at broadcast, as well as all the broadcasts, as well as many of our listeners send in suggestions as to what you would like us to cover on the Hot Topic segment, and welcome that feedback. Look forward to hearing from you. If you want to do so, please email me at david at transformationalmortgagesolutions.com or david at tms-advisors.com. It's a little shorter, easier to remember. I look forward to talking to you again. And then on Monday's broadcast, we have Eileen O'Grady, someone I've known for my whole 43 years of the industry. It's crazy how long we've known each other. She used to be my underwriter when I first started. When I was a originator and I tortured her with files that were probably not as complete, she helped me do a good job. She has become gone on, as I've gone on and done other things, she has gone on and become an expert in the secondary markets. She attended, and we had her as a guest back earlier in the year, talking about what's going on at the Asset Security Conference in Las Vegas. It was attended, I think, like someone told me, Twice to three times as many people showed up for that conference as were uh, were anticipated and who had registered. So real interest in a resurgence of potentially a resurgence, but i got to clarify that, our potential resurgence of the non-conforming, non-agency loan product, especially when you hear some of the Republican candidates talking about and ending uh, the the, the uh, government ownership of the GSEs, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Also, David Stevens is advocating that. So there's there's definitely... That sounds like a lot of political rhetoric going on around these areas. Personally, I don't think anything's going to be changing anytime soon. But the fact that it is out there, it's good to know what's going on. The purpose of this broadcast is to bring you information on a regular basis of what's going on, what we're hearing out there. And we appreciate you telling others about this broadcast. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Again, my apologies for the first part of the not being able to play this broadcast on Monday's broadcast. Sorry that you had to come back and listen to it. Have a great week. See you back here on Monday. See you then. Bye. Folks, I'm so excited to have it with me on the broadcast. Played the, How- wrong, played the wrong thing. Here's the show ending. Bye. Too many buttons.
This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 